All right. I think we're good. <laughs> well, <laughs> welcome. All right. Uh, so I'll kick it off. I, uh, <clears throat> I'm curious about thoughts on Bitcoin. Um, price point, I think we're at about 55,000 right now. What do you guys uh, think? Uh, I'll, I'll kind of start it off. Um, you know, long Bitcoin have been for a long time. So I think we're, we're on the run to 100K. Where exactly we are, we where exactly we are on that run to 100K, I'm not really sure. Uh, but I could see us kind of, you know, banding here between 50 and 60 for a while. I think that's kind of been my thought process for the last week or two since we've we've been in this range. A lot of bullish momentum, uh, a lot of money probably coming in. Uh, so pressure to the upside. But then if we are consolidating here, it means people are selling and trading and kind of taking profits and all that kind of stuff here, too. So I could really kind of see us continuing to go sideways. Where are you guys at? I'm kind of in the same boat. <clears throat> um yeah, I, I think I think I want Bitcoin to consolidate. Um, I would love for Bitcoin to go back down to the forties um, and alts to to really run. Um, but the way I'm 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 seeing it right now is Bitcoin looks really bullish, um, and so I could definitely see us keep 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 running. Yeah, if you look at the accumulation distribution, like along with the price and the volume, it's like it's still in a bullish accumulation trend, like a super bullish accumulation trend. So like we still haven't seen a blowing off the blow off the top. If you look at this volume, it's not like it's very steady volume, which like from what I hear, that's more sophisticated buyers purchasing and like. I just don't know if like a lot of people think that we're going to like either not all time high and then consolidate down or that we're going to just barely peak. And then there's also people that think that we're going to go to like 82. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I think, I think we, I think we go higher, but I don't think we hit a hundred K until, until maybe like, later in the year like like august or so so tyler says we hit 100k in august bro when do we hit 100k um I'm just going to go off what Jason says in the telegram. <laughs> Jason from telegram said, and it was strong Q2, um, sell off during the summer and then super strong Q4. So Q4. Okay. I would say, I would say, yeah. Uh, you know, we, I guess we started breaking it down from month to quarters. So I'll say end of the year. 
uh, <laughs> end of the year or early into next year, I think is when we, you know, kind of get above 90, get close to 100K. I could see it taking just a little bit longer, I guess. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like a lot of tops end up happening November, December. The thousand dollar top in 2013 was November. The twenty thousand top in in 2017 was December. Um, I think that generally makes sense. You know, maybe a little bit earlier. Maybe it won't follow that pattern now that institutions are in. Um, but but yeah, history is a way of repeating itself. What if we had 200,000 by Halloween? What would have to happen? What would have to happen for us to hit 200K? Well, sounds like they're about to announce Larry Ellison's purchase. That, that rumor is like circulating hard right now. Around seventy-two thousand Bitcoin. So that's gonna that that should that should give it some good legs. Like put put some more floor underneath it. I mean, like if Jason from Telegram's right, then we could get like a hundred k in the next couple months. Um, I mean, all it just so takes is continuous adoption. Yeah, I mean, there's there's that momentum <clears throat> when people pour in. That's what happens. Uh, but at some point, you know, at some point you start getting larger and larger and larger, and it takes larger and larger amounts of money pouring in to have the same type of, of moves. And so to go from 57 or 55, you know, to 100, you know, where that's like almost a double from here. But 100's kind of been in the minds of people a lot of people is like a round target goal, ideal uh, milestone. And, but 200 is different, you know, that's four times uh, from here. And so like, what would have to happen? How much money, how much actual money would have to come in? And then you take Larry Ellison's purchase. What piece of the pie is that 72,000 Bitcoin in what it would what would have to come in, you know, relative to actually moving the needle to 200K. Feels like a lot of money. I think it's just like an alpha signal, <clears throat> you know, and obviously like, like the more hodl like hodlers that get into the system, um, the less supplies available. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of like, it takes less money to push, to, to push it up to an all-time high than it does to like consolidate it for like six months. That's that's a good point um, that the the hodlers are getting bigger, more and more larger hodlers because as corporations, that's what they're going to be. Cuban talks about it as like basically like a store of value. Um, a store of value is pretty much just like a religion. Yeah. So, uh, 
He he really doesn't think like his his that uh, podcast I watched with him and Nick Tamino. He really just does not think Bitcoin is going to be a currency. He just thinks it's just going to be a store of value. I, I could see that. I mean, that's kind of been my thought process for a number of years. Is you know this whole crypto ecosystem, it does need a reserve pool. It does need a liquid reserve reliable pool. And that's kind of also that that weird side uh, conversation that we always get into about why why proof of work is so important. Uh, and there's you know more efficient ways of running blockchains with you know different proof methods, but proof of work still has it's kind of like gold, right? People still you know it's like well if everything else fails, maybe proof of work will still be there. We, we can all go back to you know sticks and stones and rely on that. So it does have some value. Yeah, I mean, it's the first one. It's um, <clears throat> first crypto. It's got the network effect. It's a store of value. But I think we, you know, in order to get to 200,000, I think we would have to consolidate for, for a while. Like at, um, at, you know, at probably 80,000. Um, what I could see is I'm seeing uh, Suzu three arrows capital um, calling for 88, which would be, you know, front running hundred essentially more or less. Um, and eights are big numbers in China. Uh, so like lucky numbers in China. So uh, <clears throat> that makes some sense to me. But once we hit kind of the 80,000 range, we just consolidate for like a quarter, you know, consolidate and like, you know, all those people who are waiting to sell at a hundred, it, because there, that is such a psychological level, I can see us consolidating right below it, hitting a hundred thousand, having a really brief sell-off, making everybody who wanted to sell at a hundred sell, and then just ripping through it, you know. And that's how we get to two hundred k. Is when you have a bunch of people sell at a hundred k, you know, the people who buy them are just going to push it up um, because. You know, you, that's a very obvious selling level, which um, psychologically. But in terms of the amount of capital, um, you know, we're still super early. One point nine, we're one trillion dollars. Um, I saw a pump tweet the other day. The like, the Federal Reserve or the government just, um, just basically said, "Hey, we're going to print one point nine trillion dollars and send it out to everybody." And Bitcoin's only a trillion dollars, you know, like that, that whole thing just doesn't really, really make sense. Um, so, you know, more quantitative easing, more relief. Um, yeah, it's just, it, 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 it seems easier and easier for Bitcoin to ultimately hit 200K, um, just the further we go along. Well, and coin, coin shares, one of the biggest holders of Bitcoin, they're getting listed on the NASDAQ like today that just got announced like last night or whatever. Um, and you're going to start seeing money, you know, start to move from some of these traditional in into like holding coin shares. It's going to force Fidelity and all these people to pull the trigger. And like, what is a hundred thousand Bitcoin dollar Bitcoin Fidelity? Like it's still a lower market cap than some of the stocks that they trade, you know, like it's, it's not a lot. Um, it just feels like a lot to us because we've been here for so long. But I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I think that like what Rose said that like the way you get to 200 is you get a lot of people who want to, who, who, who think that they're going to sell it above a hundred and then it wicks a hundred and they never get a chance to. And so then they're afraid that, you know, scams over and they're selling at 99, 98, 97, you know, they sell it all the way down to maybe like in the sixties and somebody's going to be picking it up the whole way. You know, um, somebody is, I mean, billionaires are in now, right? Like this is a different game. It's, it's a different game. It's a very much more sophisticated game than it's ever been. Yeah. But that being said, I think I'm, I'm an ex F maximalist because like if, if billionaires are getting in, they're going to want to know more than just, okay, Bitcoin's cool. Once they find out about F and then people explain to them like the, the EIP, like that just went through or is about to go through, man, like 25 K F here we come. Woo -woo. Well, the, uh, the billionaires are already starting to move into F. We know this and you know, it takes a while before they start pumping their bags and coming out. But right now it's like the billionaires have been in Bitcoin, right? For a little while. And so. Now you look at mainstream media and you look at kind of the followings and stuff like that. It's kind of like pick your favorite billionaire, you know? Um, but yeah. So what happens to F? What happens to all the other stuff? At what the point? Yeah. At what point does like the rise in Bitcoin, whether it is to a hundred or 200, at what point do we start to see a lot of things happening? Money start flowing into the alts. Yeah, the thing I'm worried about is like Bitcoin has this global narrative of uh, having been around. And, you know, Ethereum is kind of there, but it, it's nowhere near close to like Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin is like the McDonald's uh, restaurant franchises. You know, you know about Subways, you know about Burger Kings, you know about Wendy's, but like you see those golden arches and it's that's fucking Bitcoin. Um, so that's the thing I'm worried about with Ethereum, um, specifically on the FBTC ratio, is that Bitcoin, because it has this, you know, limited supply, because we're so far along in the having cycles, um, and there's only like 2 million, 2 to 3 million that will continue to be uh, converted, or, or sorry, mined, um, yeah, I could just see that being a huge driver into Bitcoin being the one that really runs and runs hard first, um, which is, you know, like that's that's what's happening. Um, and big, but but really drying up a lot of the capital in alts, um, like really pushing BTC ratios down. Uh, and, and we're kind of starting to see that a little bit now uh specifically you know you know litecoin is definitely not looking great there's a lot of alts that are you know making new lows on their bitcoin ratios and so that that's kind of my biggest concern right now is uh is bitcoin really starts taking off and, and just crushing crushing all, all alts that being said i do agree that bitcoin is a store of value um, and that's what it's created to do. While Ethereum actually has use case, other additional use cases like generating additional yield. Um, 
but it's only a matter of time before Bitcoiners can start to participate in in DeFi. You know, they're they're building all these cross chain swaps, um, and you know, these protocols that allow you to hold your Bitcoin on basically on Ethereum. And, and you know, that's I don't know how helpful that is for Ethereum. Well, Ethereum is kind of where everything's being built, right? Um, like the reason there's high gas fees, it's kind of like high taxes in a, you know, in a, in a busy kind of like where a lot's going on. And so in order to get things done, you deal with high costs. And I think that's what we're seeing. Um, but it is kind of like a bustling ecosystem, right? And, and um, with Bitcoin, it's kind of like a, a hodl mentality where, you know, it's a little bit more efficient that way. So, you know, we are seeing a bunch of different, uh, you know, chains uh, that provide a lot more flexibility. But with whatever's happening, you know, like like businesses are being built in the ETH ecosystem and that'll bleed over. Right. That'll bleed that bleed over to other competition and other efficiencies. And, you know, who knows who the who the winners of that will be or whether everybody will be their own winner. Um, you know, in some degree, it kind of seems like a uh, like a Google, Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft type of thing could be happening. But that's really what happens over and over again in these phases and, and platforms. You have kind of a. You know, you, you have that process happen over and over again, so that's that's super interesting because that's it's where everything's happening. It's where all the money is flowing into. Um, but the economics of that ecosystem are really challenging because money's flying everywhere and everybody's kind of like, all right, cool. This is all great. This is all fantastic. As long as there's no double spend, you know. And and that's the thing. There's just a lot going on. A lot of a lot of things are being built on the free leverage tools that are there. Um, so, you know, a lot of this stuff will, we'll have to kind of face the wind test at some point. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's just pretty disconcerting right now. Um, how, you know, everything in this space is open source, almost everything. Um, and basically a BSC, you know, Binance Smart Chain, which is a clone of Ethereum. However, you know, and, and then you have Solana, which is doing its own kind of thing in the back. Back, uh, it's just it's just kind of concerning because Ethereum is the first. It's the most decentralized. It has you know a bunch of smart people, but the usability of it right now is really flawed. And you have all these other chains, chains which because of the nature of DeFi allow you to you know, access pretty much the entire ecosystem on them at a fraction of the cost that F is allowing you to do that at. Uh, so, and especially in this moment, at, at this moment in time with everything going on in crypto, Bitcoin soaring past 50,000, you know, just this national global narrative, you know, you have Nigeria ditching its own currency, you know, like you have all, all of this momentum and it's just like, as an F maximalist, it just sucks because this is your prime opportunity to really 
go and your competitors are just eating you and like just leaving you in the dust right now? It may be in some ways, right? But in other ways, you know, F is doing what it set out to do and it's stable and it's being used and it is open. And if you do want to use other things, you can, right? But I mean, it's, it's evolved a lot. Yeah. And I mean, I remember like the Eric Weinstein podcast that uh, Vitalik did. It was right before the low got put in for the Ethereum uh, USD price. It was right around that time or right after. And Vitalik basically talked about how like he envisioned Ethereum being like some like fundraising tool for philanthropies and businesses and all these things. And it's just like, if you kind of look at how all these projects are like positioning themselves, it's like the money sits on Ethereum. The retail is on Binance smart chain and interoperability and like scalability is polka dot. And so it's like, it doesn't really seem like there's going to be money sitting on Polkadot. It kind of seems like money's going to be on Ethereum. You know, you fundraise, you launch your project on, on Ethereum, you, you launch your token, you build your project on, on as a, as a Kutsama parachain, you ask people to bond it, you create a bridge, you airdrop some tokens to Kusama parachain holders. And then you get upgraded to a polka dot parachain. And it's like, and then if you, if it's necessary, you create a, a stargate over, like you use a stargate and create like a tender mint ecosystem on cosmos. But it's like Ethereum just kind of looks like they're positioning themselves to be like fundraising your, your, your public wallet. Like, what do you want to support? What philanthropies do you want to support? What businesses do you publicly want to support? What art do you publicly want to hold? Um, yeah, you, you're if you want to have some type of security, you're going to have to use like a layer two solution. Yeah, it's one of the, like, because of how transparent uh, the chain is, I, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, it's even more transparent than Bitcoin. So, um, yeah, no, that that all makes sense uh, in my mind, Rishi. Yeah. Um, well, I want to ask you guys this: What do you guys think about Cuban? I mean, he's he's coming out of the. I guess he's been quiet for a little while, but he's coming out full, doing the doing the rounds on all the, all the all, talk channels and everything like that, and pumping Doge. Mavs, man. Largest merchant of Doge. Is Doge mainstream now? Like is is uh is Doge like uh like a new a new currency? I mean, you wanna... Doge is mainstream. Yeah. It is. Doge is definitely mainstream. Who's yeah, like, you guys got Doge? You guys bought Doge any. a long time ago? No? No, I uh I like I wish all the years I've spent in crypto prepared me to just yellow long doge, but I didn't. And it's all for not. 
I just feel like I can, I should just market by all my, put all my crypto into Doge now and just walk away because life is pointless and we're all going to be millionaires. So, <laughs> but no, seriously. If somebody would have like memed and built Doge futures. So, that would I mean, somebody would have lost a lot of money. If the only move that you ever made was just to put everything you had in Doge. Like, that's all you had to do. So like, I feel like that's that's like that goes in the face of everything of crypto. You know, like there's no easy rides. Like in order to make a bunch of money, you have to take a lot of risk, uh, or like you have to be contrarian. And the only way I see Doge hitting a dollar, let's just say it's at five five and a half cents right now, is if everything else pumps. You know, like everything else has to pump more than 20 times in order for Doge to hit a dollar because the dumbest money is in Doge, is buying Doge. Maybe not the dumbest. You know, you have Elon, you have you have Mark Cuban, um, you know, but like the least sophisticated investor, you know, but college it's becoming, It is becoming more sophisticated because... You know, we're, we're having this conversation, not not that we're going to go out and buy a bunch of Doge right now, but it is relevant, right? And it is going to be added to more bags and more people's bags, which means if it was at the, the bottom rungs of like, kind of like crypto, like who's got it and why you've got it, you know, you're just playing around or, or whatever you really believe. But I mean, the more bags means the more sophisticated bags it starts to kind of creep into and be and be held. Yeah, I think the issue I see with it is uh, what Elon laid out in one one of his tweets is that like the top holders of Doge uh, have like the concentration is like twenty to twenty five percent. You know, the top two or three accounts have you know twenty five percent. Where you compare that to Bitcoin, it's five percent. You know, like that, and that's much more reasonable, much more understandable. Uh, <clears throat> So unless we start seeing a bunch of Doge whales like burn their wallets or, you know, just sell, it doesn't really make sense. You know, even from Elon's perspective for Doge to be, you know, the people's currency. But it is interesting because Bitcoin has priced people out. Ethereum is pricing people out as we speak. Um, you know, you have your, your scams like Ripple and I'm not going to necessarily launch Stellar into that, but, um, but yeah, no, it just, it, it is interesting because, uh, because Doge is one of like the thing that Doge has going for it more than anything else is that it has one of the most decentralized networks in the world, you know, and it is super liquid. Um, it's on all of these crypto exchanges. There's, it's got what last I checked, it was like a four, 300, 400 million market cap. I don't know where it is now, but, um, you know, it, it's got enough liquidity minus billionaires for it to have, you know, plenty of, of traction. Um, but anyway, I don't want to talk, keep talking about Doge. Well, I do. I do. Because here's the thing. Like, if it is widely distributed, right, as a crypto asset, if it's just widely distributed, like you said, and if it's 
liquid. It's been on all these exchanges for a number of years. Nobody really took it seriously. Let's just call it monopoly money. Well, if one day everybody that's part of a big group uh, is like, well, we need our own currency. Let's just go jump on this thing that nobody takes seriously because there's plenty of it. And we'll just start using it as a currency. So like, what if like, what if like some, like what if the church of Scientology was just like, okay, Doge is our new currency. Well, then all of a sudden you're bringing real, like a, a community's real value and purpose to something that exists as a skeleton for anybody to easily adopt. If it is that liquid and if it's everywhere and if it's already compatible and really is like a, a currency or an exchange of value. Uh, so what's to prevent Doge from taking off once somebody gives it Doge, Doge or anything, once somebody gives it like a purpose. And that's kind of what Elon did is he just kind of amplified. Well, if he, the message was, if people want to use it as a currency, it's a currency. If people say it's a currency, if enough people do, it is. I mean, yeah, that's the whole, that argument is the whole Bitcoin argument. If enough people say it's, say it's worth this, then it's worth that. Um, so there's nothing stopping that from happening. Uh, so that's, that's gotta be the next big thing, you know, like, <laughs> and that's, and that's the thing. It's like, no, like Bitcoin's already like going to doge. Yeah. You know, like. To be fair, when we all got into Bitcoin, we were not the most sophisticated investors. I certainly wasn't, um, and I still am not. But yeah, to be fair, could that happen with a proponent as large as Elon and now Mark Cuban? Um, yes, it absolutely could. But I would need to see, as everybody else would, uh, like a real world value attached to it. You know, just because Mark accepts it at Dallas Mavericks games doesn't really mean anything to me because they go through BitPay or something like that that automatically converts it to USD. Um, you know, they're, they're, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, if you guys know differently, but that's what 90, 95% of retailers do. So uh, it's not like they are long Dogecoin by accepting Dogecoin as payments. Elon, on the other hand, he's publicly come out and said he's like, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, no, it's not like <clears throat> in my mind that they are backing Doge with real world value right now. But yeah, um, the market's pretty at a pretty telling point right now. Um, well, you know, you guys know what I want to see happen with Bitcoin. Um, F is kind of sitting right there as well. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little hesitant uh, to be bullish on F um, and Link for that matter. I think those two are going to, like as we kind of mature, those two are going to be kind of run in tandem with each other. I think Link probably has... A little bit more upside than than F does, um, but I, I do think those are in tandem. The thing that's really surprising me today, right, is Zcash being up ten percent 
Well, pretty much the rest of the market is is selling off a good bit. Uh, Zcash being one of those relatively, you know, a little bit more scammy than the others uh, that we've talked about, but still pretty solid market cap and everybody knows the the use case there. What do you guys think about like the, the three biggest movers that we have in our portfolio today? Uh, are Zcash, AGI, and then I'm just going to include HMT. So, like the the three things that I track the the closest are that are all like pretty much up double percentages um, are Zcash and AGI and HMT, and and you know like what do you think is going on there? I'll just go ahead and, and and just give you guys my thoughts. It seems like these li- these smaller coins, you know, not these micro caps or low caps, even um, these small coins are that actually have use cases that haven't fully been, you know, fleshed out, are starting to see some prominence, and we're starting to see some, at the very least, USD flow into these 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 currencies but but yeah it's just it's pretty surprising um to see zcash specifically pump while litecoin is making new all-time lows versus bitcoin uh like yeah that that to me is pretty interesting so tyler i'd be curious to get your thoughts on like what what's going on with litecoin um, you know, like what, what do you see going on with Litecoin? And then also, you know, like if you can just talk about the majors, I'd be curious to see what, what you think about that. I don't know what's going on with Litecoin, man. I mean, honestly, like it should be going up, right? Like it's got a very distributed hash rate. It's got a lot of, of like support behind it they're implementing mimblewimble so it's going to be a proof of work privacy coin that has a a strong distribution and is already listed everywhere um it's you know i think it's supported by like paypal i believe um it's listed on bloomberg it's listed everywhere i mean the coinbase ipo is about to make Charlie Lee and all of his like buddies from back in the day, billionaires. So I don't understand. Like, I don't understand why it's making new lows. Um, I mean, unless this is like the shakeout for Litecoin, but like the only other thing I can think of is like, if Bitcoin does just like, I mean, if we get to like 200 K by quarter two, for Bitcoin or something crazy like that, then everything dies off against Bitcoin and then all these charts make a ton of sense and it's really sad. Um, I just hope it's not like that. And, and the thing is like, I hate that train of thought, but it is very, 
apparent to me that that could be a very true, like big reality, primarily because as Bitcoin gets bigger on a market cap perspective, it opens it up itself up to higher net worth entities. And if you have all these other coins that do have incredibly valuable use cases, you know, it still is not, they're still not big enough for, you know, your, your Jeff Bezos, your Elon Musk's, whatever, um, your Black Rocks to really participate just because it's not, they don't, they don't have the liquidity that Bitcoin will have. And so, yeah, it, it is, I think the Litecoin chart for me is pretty scary. Um, right now well and then i think zcash a lot of zcash changed hands so when when kraken scam wicked down to 700 dollars and like took a lot of people's money um basically they took a lot of people's zcash in the margin but i didn't hear anybody talk about their litecoin positions being claimed so you know it could be that enough zcash changed hands that like market makers happy um but you know if 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 he's not filled on litecoin then yeah i mean i don't know like i'm i'm pretty scared for litecoin honestly i mean like again this is only on a on a bitcoin basis litecoin's still at two hundred dollars you know it's it's still cracking along just fine um but yeah, specifically the Bitcoin chart is, is just garbage. Looks awful. I mean, but the USD chart looks really good. That's a strong Adam and Eve. Eve's got like a third lip though. It's one of those. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it doesn't look bad uh, by any means. It's just... <clears throat> Yeah, it just kind of it's odd to me to see to see that that going on. Um, but then the other thing I think about is that like emotionally, like what we're talking about right now about like oh man, like Bitcoin could just go crazy and and we could just like all these alts could just die and it's just like usually like that's where you close a trade and that's like the bottom, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are we are we going to have an alt season? Is this going to be an alt season like other alt seasons? Is this going to be the alt season of all alt seasons or what's So like I'm I I've got mixed feelings cuz like my gut feeling was that we we got an alt season February, March and that that was going to be it for the year and that we weren't going to get one. And some people could say, well, you did get an alt season February and March. You should have just invested in DeFi. But DeFi is still such a small percentage of the market cap, but it's going to grow to such a large percentage of the market cap that it can't be over. Like the show must go on. And so I do think that there's got to be a couple of liquidity events, right? Like, and alt season usually happens before Bitcoin makes its like final leg. So if we blow off the top here, don't achieve a hundred, 
and then we consolidate down for like one more big leg. Like maybe we do get an alt season, you know, in quarter two, maybe, maybe we get an alt season later this year. Like maybe, maybe the alt season starts in, 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 in April and lasts all the way through, through Halloween. Like, you know, like, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, but like, People need Bitcoin. Like rich people need to get Bitcoin. And for that to happen, they need liquidity, right? Like you're not going to just, if you're rich, you're not going to, eventually you're not going to be able to just get Bitcoin against the USD pair without creating terrible slippage. So you're going to have to to rock some of these majors tremendously. And I think that that's what we've been seeing is like these big boys have been accumulating these majors. And like everybody thinks that like these things have been going up because the prices are like people are, are going back into them and not like these big boys are accumulating these majors. Cause like, that's the only way they're going to be able to get their Bitcoin. It's the only way. You, one thing I, I do want to, you, you mentioned something with DeFi and <clears throat> it, it, it all ties together. It's like, <clears throat> In order to participate in DeFi, you don't have to have Bitcoin. Well, you well, like DeFi is still growing. Maybe not in terms of percentage right now at this moment uh, of the whole crypto market cap. Can you hear me? We can now. Interesting. I don't know what just happened. Um, they don't want you leaking alpha on DeFi, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it just comes back to like the ratio of will dollars flow into DeFi, that ecosystem, faster than the price of, or than dollars flowing into Bitcoin. And, you know, with where I'm at right now, it seems like the world wants Bitcoin. You know, that's that's the the narrative that I'm seeing. And um, while I, I firmly believe that, like, we are absolutely in the right to hold Ethereum and all these things, um, I just feel like on a Bitcoin basis, we could be in for some pain, um, some more pain. You know, we've been through through a bear market already. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 just and partially, you know, like part of me is like, you know, this is what I'm feeling right now. This is what I'm seeing right now. Maybe this is like what this is the bottom, you know, like this is the pain that you feel at the very end when you close your trade and all shit goes up. But but that's the that's what I've been thinking about this last week is the narrative, the the accessibility of Bitcoin to high net worth individuals and high net worth entities. You know, they've never been able to participate in crypto up until now. And the only way they're going to do that is through through Bitcoin um, and Ethereum now that it's launched on the CME. Well, I, I did see one thing. I, I read an article um, the other day that, that made me kind of look at the, the money supply narrative a lot differently. That yes, <clears throat> we did print a, sh a ton of money, but the thing is, is that 
the a rule was changed. So before we printed all this money, banks were not made to keep reserves on hand to cover the savings accounts because you can only withdraw from savings accounts six times per month. So that rule was changed to where now you can pull from your savings account freely, but banks must also keep that money on hand. And so all of that money was not there, but was in circulation. So a lot of the money printed was distributed to the banks to back to back savings accounts. And so really we were just using, we had our, our circulating supply was leveraged and now it's just deleveraged. It's not like we just created this money out of thin air, which we did, but it's really just like, instead of, instead of like margin calling our money, they like reverse margin called us. They like just up oh, it like here, here, we're going to cover your, we're going to cover all, all your equity that you're, you're down in the trade. Yeah. They refunded their, their account. So that's like, that's kind of bullish for the DXY. Like if enough people like get on that narrative. Hmm. But that yeah, also means that they're going to push people to pull their money out of savings. So. I'm not. Yeah, I just remember this time last year, where they went away from the reserve, where banks were not required to hold the 10% reserve anymore. Oh, um, uh, I think that was for lending. Overnight, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was the overnight s stuff. Yeah. And I don't remember that changing back. Um, so I think, I think that's so. still, yeah, that's still in place, but I guess, okay. Savings is different. Um, yeah. Uh, the way I look at alts, you know, I'm looking at the altcoin dominance chart uh, right now. And, um, you know, we are above diagonal resistance um, that was generated or that stemmed from 2018. Um, this is the second time we're, we're above that line. So that is encouraging. And ever since February, we've really just been consolidating. So it really hasn't been drastic from a, uh, from a Bitcoin dominance perspective. We've really, over the last month and a half, just been consolidating, uh, which is, which is, you know, that's just part of it. Um, but, but yeah, I think, we're getting to the point, you know, I, I think all of us were, were kind of very bullish February, March on alts and, you know, we're coming towards the middle of March and, you know, F being the primary cycle driver, um, has just kind of stagnated. Uh, I was telling Tyler, I think either the last call or the time before now with what I'm seeing is that like, if we are, if we truly want like a, a real alt season from here, we're going to need Solana to keep ripping up um, because Solana and BNB, you know, BSC, BS, BNB, uh, we're going to need them to really keep driving higher because that's what 
you know, those two giant green dildos are going to drive more and more retail capital in. And, and that's what, what will ultimately pull everything up along with it. Well, and to that point, I do know that like some of the mar- some of these firms that are trading out of Asia that are market making these altcoin pairs, like are they, they're spinoffs from Almeda. Like they, you know, they worked at Almeda, they they worked at FTX, and now they've spun off and they've got their like separate fund where they're market making altcoins. So you got to think like where if 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 they're from Almeda. Where is that? Where are they going to be pulling their profit into from from altcoins? Like, you know, they're going to pull it into Bitcoin, but I would imagine they're also going to put it in Solana. They're going to put it in Radium. They're going to put it in FTX. They're going to put it in Serum um, and just continue to try to put money into that ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, it's still brand new, relatively. And it's got a huge. I don't know. I'm not a. I'm not an engineer or anything. From what I hear, it's like got a huge technological advantage. Um, it's centralized. Sure, it's a brand new network. It will inherently be centralized, just like Ethereum was. But yeah, it's just that's what we'll need. Um, but coming back to Ethereum, you know, EIP fifteen fifty nine has been approved, quote unquote. Uh, that should take place in July. Um, to me, that just makes me think of uh, buy the rumor, sell the news. Uh, you know, that's the frame of mind that I'm in, and so and kind of that aligns with what Jason from Telegram said. You know, um, I think Ethereum on a USD basis looks fine. You know, it looks very strong. We're just under all time highs. Um, and we can still keep going up. But if July comes around and we have, you know, started to go higher, maybe, I don't know how high we go, but maybe like three to $5,000. By the time July comes around, I think that would be a really good time to, to sell the news. You know, EIP 1559 is finally taking place. Fees are gonna come down. All of this stuff that's gonna make usability so much better price will already have, have taken in, that into account. And so uh, so that's, hopefully we don't have to wait that long. But, um, but I think yeah, people that's, that sell at 3,000 will cry. I think people that sell at 5,000 will have a chance to buy lower at some point. I think people that sell at 3,000 will eventually cry. So is this improvement really an improvement? Is it is it really good? Is it just hype? What's What's it all about? It's huge. It's it's. Uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, with Hasu, I want to say, which is like a research analyst for Three AC, um, Three Hours Capital, and he was describing it as the biggest change to an existing blockchain blockchain uh, that has ever taken place. You know, like that's not a hard fork. Um, and so, yeah, basically. Ethereum transactions right now consist of a base fee uh, and that base fee is is, um, able to be manipulated by the miners. And so now we have really high gas fees, right? That's that's just kind of how it goes. What EIP 1559 will do is it will split any transaction 
into a base fee and then a um, what's it called? A kind of tip. I forget the exact term. Um, yeah, a minor tip. And whereas the entire base fee currently goes to miners, the base fee will always be burnt. So that has huge implications for the tokenomics of Ethereum, which has an unlimited supply cap. Um, but what the what they're saying is that given the volume on the current blockchain, um, that will make Ethereum a deflationary asset because every transaction, a portion of Ethereum will be burned. Um, and so, you know, to have something like that come out, come out on the second largest blockchain in the world that has already existed for three to four, five years, or however long, um, that is, that it's, it's crazy um, to, to just kind of think about, but it I think would be super beneficial to ETH holders, to users, um, and basically, while the transaction fees can ver like can be variable and will go up and down, um, that'll generally only happen when the network is super congested, and there will be uh, it will be much more predictable um, conducting transactions on on the Ethereum blockchain. Questions. Well, I yeah, I just think I think that's interesting. I think um, it'll probably be deflationary sometimes, and then sometimes it won't be. It's just kind of depending on what's going on. But um, you know, as that kind of relates to this other ecosystem, you know, um, like the other liquidity chains that people tend to flow from Bitcoin into Ethereum. And then now you're seeing, okay, well, Ethereum's gas fees are really high. You can do a whole bunch of stuff on all this other, you know, all this other stuff. And so you go from Ethereum into that other stuff. And that's what you guys were just talking about. Like you really need for that stuff to, to really do well because it's all, it's all kind of still built on and based off Ethereum. Um, and so it's kind of still the flow of money. Um, and I think that it's new, it's young. Uh, DeFi is uh, still being experimented with and whatever is going on there is gonna be put to the test. And I think at some point you're gonna have a lot of that money flow back into the Ethereum chain for a number of reasons, but probably just stability, probably just, it's been around. You know what it's about. You know how it works. And right now, yeah, it costs a lot of money to, you know, live in Manhattan. Uh, so I think, but it's, but, but you have to, but there, but people, whenever catastrophe happens, people will flow back into the, the things that they're comfortable with, even if they're more cumbersome and they'll go where everybody else is. And I think that at some point you're going to have, 
you have a lot of money flowing into Bitcoin. You probably have a lot of money flowing into Ethereum, um, but it doesn't really look like that. It just looks like money bleeding over. But then you have a lot of money also flowing into or bleeding over into DeFi. And um, if that money flows out, it's going to flow into Ethereum because it's not like people are going to want to stop building. Not going to want to so go to Bitcoin. The thing is like, this class of investor doesn't care about holding crypto. You know, they are dollar. They they are just concerned about making more profit. You know, they don't hold. Maybe they do, but like, yeah. If if they're do doing DeFi stuff, um, you know, they're either crypto OGs or they're like super technically intelligent like finance high finance people that have ditched traditional finance and jump ship entirely um and yeah i just think like us dollars people will like I don't, <clears throat> fiat might be dead ultimately in the long run but there's still decades where fiat will be around you know crypto is not ready to take on all the money in the world. Um, you know, that they were, we're still very far from that. So I just feel like um, all of this money flowing in and out of DeFi will flow back out to dollars. And it's not necessarily going to flow back into to Ethereum um, is just what I'm saying because and and I totally understand your argument. And I would I would say like they that that money could definitely flow back into Bitcoin for sure, because that has the the narrative of you know being the global reserve currency. You know, there's limited supply, all that all that stuff. But I don't know if I agree with um with that money necessarily flowing back into Ethereum. Although I totally think that DeFi is a product of Ethereum for sure. I guess my argument to that would be look at the stable coin market. So if you just look at the stable coin market, um, where's Tether at? There is $38 billion in Tether. There's $9 billion in USDC. That's $47 billion just in those like two stable coins. Um, so, I mean, I would say that a lot of the stuff in DeFi, like those people are holding dollars already. Like they're only going to provide sell pressure for the yield farmed assets. I don't think they're going to provide a lot of sell pressure for ETH. No, I just, what I'm saying is they, I don't think they'll necessarily put their profits back into F. Not that they would provide sell pressure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know enough to like agree or disagree with that. But I mean, I think my assumption would be that like eventually some of that money that's in Tether and Binance USD, because there's 3 billion in Binance USD. So we're looking at like $50 billion in just three stable coins. 
it's like my assumption will be eventually that 50 billion dollars that's already in the crypto market and crypto comfortable is going to eventually flow into some of these proto like protocols but i mean i could be like wrong you know like the people the, the people with the 50 billion dollars could also have a hundred billion dollars worth of you know other cryptocurrencies yeah that makes sense um Yeah, we're still we're still a couple years out from Ethereum 2.0. Um, it is interesting to see. I don't know if you guys follow Tim Ferriss, but the newest podcast is with uh, Vitalik. I haven't listened to it yet. It came out yesterday. Um, so it's Vitalik and Naval. So it's probably something worth tuning into. But it it is interesting to see Vitalik kind of get out there a little bit more. I saw a business insider interview with him recently in the last couple of weeks. So it, it is seem like he's doing some high level marketing, some maybe teaching the retail investor some, some stuff, uh, just getting his name out there or at least Ethereum's name out there. So we you, you drop that in the discord. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it in there. I, I got to figure out which, which one, to, which one to put it in now. <laughs> is it still Pangea X or should I, should I drop it in something else? You could put it there. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, like as we kind of talked about, we talked about a lot of stuff, but one of the things we touched on was where we were in February and January and what we kind of thought was going to happen over the course of the year and whether there's going to be alt season or not an alt season and where are we on the, on the quest to a hundred K. Um, but you know, our, our approach has been pretty bullish, you know, our mindset collectively has been pretty bullish, you know, whether we have an alt season or not. Um, we feel like there's a pretty, pretty decent floor in place for alts and we're positioned that way, um, to kind of take advantage, um, of, you know, these relative levels, at least in our minds. So, you know, if money does flood into crypto and it continues to do that and we do see alts run, that'll obviously be kind of a fun thing to watch. Everybody, you know, gets a lot of different activity and movement and the things that they're into and watching. And it just kind of creates a, a pretty liquid, volatile environment, which is fun. Um, and, you know, I think that we take a little bit collectively, we take a a little bit of a more long-term investment approach. Um, one of the ways I like to think about it is, you know, it's not that we don't uh, think about things in terms of trades. We may be, we may have individual practices um, that are different from what we do collectively in Pangea X, but we do look at things a little bit more long-term, I think, uh, than a lot of people do. Um, and that's notable by the fact that we've been in crypto for a long time and we've had, um, our eyes on Bitcoin for a long time. We've been in the game for a long time. Um, and so when we kind of look at the landscape now, we, I think we see a lot of different things changing and we see, um, we see these alts having a pretty good chance. And so we're, we've got our, our assets kind of spread around. And whenever that happens, whenever the rise kind of starts to happen, 
you know, it's either going to happen really, really quickly and we're in an alt season or, you know, if things take a little while, we're going to see individual uh, projects, individual coins start to kind of take off by themselves. And um, that's really, really fun, too, uh, because everybody gets a little antsy and then money does have to start flowing. So, um, you know, how it all plays out is going to be the fun part. Um, I'm just I'm pretty excited about the way that we're positioned because we've got our eyes on a bunch of different things. Um, and, you know, if if we are going to be off to the races, um, I feel like we're in a good spot. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, have you guys, did you guys look at that BlockFi? Not to change gears, but to change gears. Um, did you guys take a look at that BlockFi article? Or the BlockFi website I posted? It was just ditchblockfi.com. about, about like the, the conspiracy about how they could be being forced to unwind a position? Mm -hmm. More or less. Uh, Basically, it's like, yeah, basically, it's like the way BlockFi is giving retail investors this yield is because they take their deposits and just do a bunch of hugely risky stuff in DeFi. <laughs> but like, and they're not treated as a bank, right? They're not in, they're not insured. You know, your funds are not necessarily safe, and there will be no repercussions if if they go under. Um, <clears throat> and one of the things that it laid out in their article was investing into Grayscale's Bitcoin Trust or any of their Grayscale part products. Um, and typically, there's a six to twelve month lockup period. But the reason why that was safe in the past was because historically those premiums never went negative. Um, and now with the uh, onset of new Bitcoin ETFs, GBTC has gone negative uh, by as much as like 12 or 15% recently. Um, at least the premium has. And so, yeah, it just, it seems just pretty interesting that, uh, that I, I, th I still think we would be fine submitting our funds to, to BlockFi. Uh, but, but yeah, it's just, it is like a very centralized crypto like company. And that is, it's like, goes in the face of everything crypto uh, that crypto is all about. Um, but you get a really great yield off of it, or, you know, as long as you're not depositing Bitcoin, uh, or at least more than two and a half Bitcoin, you know, you get a pretty great yield um, on Ethereum and, I think Litecoin and a UDC, USDC product. Um, so there's that. Uh, but but yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, Tyler, have you heard anything about Mina? Derek told. Uh, well, sorry. Um, <laughs> I I was told by I was just told to state like that it was it was possibly not something that we wanted to look into. I've heard mixed things through my through my OTC channels. I have seen some team tokens <laughs> come up for sale, which you don't usually see team tokens come up for sale and over the counter channels. But yeah, some team tokens have been 
so 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 the the thing is is that like the the idea is that some of the early investors that they advertise on their site have already flipped their tokens and are out of out of the position um and no longer believe in the project so i don't i don't know i I, i'm just going off hearsay but like it really dampened my my enthusiasm that's interesting You've heard mixed things as well, Rishi? Well, I've just been kind of looking into it a little bit here and there and just trying to get a feel for it. And, you know, there's both sides of the coin. Uh, it's just, it's just really, really early, right? And nothing's been proven yet. And you really got to have faith in stuff. And I just haven't been able to build that yet. Well, let's just say that the person that lost faith in it has very much faith and is very active and involved in, in a project that we all hold dear to our hearts. <laughs> yeah. Well, faith is important. Um, another one I was looking at recently uh, was Manta Network. Um it's built on top of the Polkadot ecosystem, so I don't know if we'll be able to like participate in an ICO or an IDO or whatever. I don't think um, they have a token yet. Like I'm sure they're no, gonna they have don't. one, but like that is like Manta Network, in my opinion, is like if we could get in, like that's going to be huge. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Um, <clears throat> I'm just trying to stay on top of kind of that sort of stuff what else is out there what would i be interested in it's got awesome investors polychain alameda three era uh yeah uh multi-coin yeah it's got everybody so it, it's got everything you'd want to see to buy into it uh so you know ma makers doing some cool stuff maker yeah they've been doing some cool stuff for a while and then you know one that's supposed to be one that's going to eat like a lot of stuff is mirror protocol i've seen mirror yeah i've seen a good bit of mirror what do you guys think about all this uh all these things launching on coinbase pro that looks like coinbase pro seems to be like up in their their game a little bit they got to pump volume so that way they can support this price, this, uh, this stock price, man. $100 billion ICO. Yeah. I can't. Um, and, and you know what? Sam and all these other guys are going to run volume on Coinbase to help them out because what does that do? That just helps their valuations. Look at Sushi. Sushi gets the Coinbase tap right, right around the IPO. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah there's a lot going on right now um it's a it's it's an interesting time to navigate the crypto space right now it's as a as a non-technical person <laughs> shoot there's just a lot going on in general man it's hard there's, yeah 2021 is it's like the we're pretty much in the 15th month of 2020 
15th month of 2020. Why do you say that? Uh, just because it's not like anything's changed. Um, you know, it's just kind of like a little bit of calm right now. I think something that, Rose Greg? said earlier is important. I think like right now it's like you need to buy things that have utility. It's like, you know, we got to keep remembering in, in rushes, the things that like you benefit the most from are the picks and the shovels and the, and it's like right now, like tokens, people love tokens. You make tokens on F, you know, people like NFTs, you know, what, what are the, what are the picks and shovels of the NFT world? You know, like, I think that, you know, and DeFi is the same way. Like these people that have, have created innovative products that are actually usable, you know, like the, these derivative options on chain for like altcoins and, and like, I think that like, man, there's so much opportunity. I just have FOMO so hard every time I get to thinking about all these projects that I don't own. I hear you, man. It's, uh, there's, it, you know, and like, again, we're still so early stages. There's still so much more innovation to come, like specifically with NFTs. Um, you know, like this, they're just now getting popular, popular and that's purely based off of art. Uh, I don't know if you've got, you guys have seen Euler Beats, E-U-L-E-R Beats. Um, you know, that's fucking awesome. You know, that'll, that'll change the entire music industry. Um, you know, yeah, I just, we're still super early stages and there are going to be so many projects come out, uh, that will have incredible use cases and create incredible value um that yeah we're still very early stage but fomo is probably the last thing we need to do unless it's ave <laughs> well for every every uh 10 of them or so that ends up changing the world there was probably ten thousand little projects that died along the way a bunch of bags that just got lost into the dirt and a bunch of traders that it took with it. So you gotta be careful. You can't FOMO too much. Right. But when you, when you find that good stuff, when you find the gems, I mean, that's what, that's what makes everything work. Well, what we need to do is we need to find somebody who knows how to train neural nets. Right. And then we need to go and get like a huge art collection and basically index it have somebody go through and like tag all of the painters all of the like the styles the genres the time periods the the types the this the that right and that we need to we need to like train the neural net on these paintings with tags and then we need to, to run our own generative nft sales to where we do like a a, a, a pastel uh, one and it's just like it, you know it's like a random limited series to where it takes all these great pastel works and pulls like different features and generate like the neural net generates random pieces of art pulled like unique from all like 
from all of these that it's been trained on. And then we could do like a DaVinci one, right? Like to where like it could be like a small limited series to where we only created like 20 like DaVinci's that were like uh, generated based off all of DaVinci's works, like, you know, randomly and have like different little bonding curves. Man, I'm surprised somebody hasn't already doing that. I mean, they probably are. We're just, they're not super mainstream yet. You know, like they're kind of, they're probably not on Runnable. They're probably not on OpenSea. You know, they're on some of this other, sh like, and then they'll make their way in a secondary market onto one of these larger, broader exchanges. But yeah, you know, I, I have seen some, like, neural net AI generated images, uh, not necessarily from any famous artist, but um, yeah, that, that AI generated art has already started for sure. Did you guys see the uh, deep fake of Tom Cruise? Mm -mm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, scary and cool at the same Terrifying. time. Terrifying. Terrifying. I don't know how they did that. Um, but like, there's a lot of Tom Cruise footage. So I would imagine that that would be like, you could do a Barack Obama one. You could do a Trump one. You know, because there's just like there's hours and days of footage, but like it would probably be much harder to mimic one of us, you know, like. Yeah, uh, but like that technology you... won't be used for us. It'll be used to manipulate the masses, which will be political figures or. Yeah. Did you see who did it? No, who's behind it? He's uh, some like uh, Hollywood or like graphics artist who's worked on a ton of Marvel films and like really well known, um, like super famous. I mean, not, not super famous, but like super famous in the profession. Um, like very talented, has cutting edge technology, and is willing. Like you know, has worked with <clears throat> studios and and all this stuff. Uh, so. It's not like some Russian kid could could pull this off. Uh, you got to have some access to some heavy resources. But uh, but yeah, he 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 doxed himself, if you will, and he 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 basically said he he did this to show light on this is where what we can do right now. Imagine where we're going to be at five to ten years from now, and because there are no rules, no regulations on this stuff um it's it's gonna be yeah it, it has the potential to be a nightmare so i would take a look at that at it tyler it was uh it was pretty freaky just the implications of it <laughs> well you it's know and that's freaky. the thing is they try to like the the like the people who have this ability they try to put out really bad deep fakes to like make you feel like the deep fake technology is not that good but yeah, but they got the better sure version. They can make anybody say or do anything. It, it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Like right now, I think we're at the phase of, of technology where, you know, if you see an image, you don't necessarily believe it. You know, it's like, okay, that could be doctored, but we're not there with video yet. 
However, as this thing, as this technology becomes more just commonplace amongst our day-to-day lives, um, I think we'll basically have that same reaction of, hey, you really can't trust what you see on the internet. Like, unless you verify it, which is crazy. Like, I don't know, I don't even know how you would do that. Um, Put it on the blockchain, make an NFT out of it. Yeah. It's not on the blockchain, it's not real. No pick didn't happen. Our worlds collide. Um, well, guys, probably need to wrap it up, right? Yeah, I think uh, yeah. that'd be a good. Place. We're talking about deep fakes on TikTok now, so yeah, that sounds sounds yeah. right. All right, guys. Catch y'all later. I'm gonna stop the recording. <laughs>